Welcome to the Montgomery Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like to learn more about MCC, you can visit our website at mcc.church. Have you ever been lost? You may have taken a wrong turn and got off trail and soon night falls and you don't have any light to help guide you. Let's face it, on any given day, we encounter more darkness than we do truth. But God is whispering to us all the time, telling us which way to go, but sometimes the, the outside or the internal voices, they fill our heads. But God does more than just whisper to us. He gives us light. His word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God loves us so much, he provides a way. His word, only his word is our lamplight. Won't you follow? Fear. It's a, it's a powerful emotional force, isn't it? I mean, it can gather, you know, protect you or help to paralyze you. In a sense, you know, while it can keep you from stepping too close to the edge of the cliff, it can also keep you in that self-made prison of your own comfort zone. Bottom line, fear can keep a person from living boldly. And some of you know what I'm talking about right now. I mean, some are feeling weak, but you're trying real hard to look like you're strong. You're a little bit like me right now. Two and a half weeks ago, I had double feet surgery. Um, I planned the whole schedule of speaking in hopes that I'd be able to return, but you know what? Um, that's why I'm sitting right now. I feel weak, not fully myself, and yet, you know, I'm trying to convey that I'm doing all right. That's a temporary situation. Some of you have been living in this for months, years. You feel weak inside. You're trying to look like you're strong, and it's exhausting. I want you to know God is here. He loves you. He's listening to you. He's responding to you. And I hope this message today will help you in some way. There are others who are feeling weak and you've given up trying to look like you're strong. I mean, the charade is just a lot to keep up and you realize, man, you don't even know what to do in your next step. You're, you're just weak. There are others who are feeling strong, but their strength is built upon things that are really weak. I mean, you think things are going well for you. You know, you're built on these pillars of clay, though. And you may not realize it yet. Or you might feel things kind of shifting and moving, but you're conveying strength. But you're built on stuff that's, that's weak. And then there are others who are truly strong. But wherever you are in the mix, the truth is all of us know the reality of fear and how it keeps us from living boldly. As one comforting person once said, he said, there is no such thing as paranoia. Your worst fears can come true at any moment. <laughs> Comforting? Feel any better now? Well, as your pastor, I'm here to comfort you. But before I get there, allow me to share with you some advice that comes from our current culture. It's, it's saying, you know, we all deal with fear, it's saying. So, you know, this is the soul salt solution. You can look this up. It addresses the top five ways to practice being bold. Number one, identify what scares you they say. 
I mean, fear comes in various shapes and sizes, so it's important to know which form of fear you fear. After all, some forms of fear can help you, some forms of fear can actually hurt you, so what form of fear do you fear? I think that's actually a good first step to kind of call it out. And then secondly, describe your fears, they say, because what we hide controls us. So basically, bring your fear out in the open because studies show that by putting your fears and feelings into words, you can curb negative responses to whatever you might actually fear. And then the third step, break out of your routine. Because when we constantly do the same things in the same way at the same time, and we can fall into patterns that are good, but the truth is, they can also keep us entrenched in fears that debilitate us. And then fourth, do something that makes you nervous like public speaking, for example. You know, by tackling something that makes you slightly fearful, you can help minimize fear of bigger things. And then the fifth step, they say, is to pursue a bold act of courage. You know, do something that will strengthen you internally. So courage means, you know, doing something bold in line with your core values in the presence of fear. But it's, it's not crazy behavior, they're saying. But act courageously. As one past leader said it, one of the greatest discoveries a man makes, one of his great surprises, is to find he can do what he was afraid he couldn't do. And while there's some truths here, and some helpful things here, I hope you recognize a foundational principle that undergirds each one of these five practices. It's this, that the power to deal with the fear in you resides in you. That's what we're saying. The power to deal with the fear in you resides in you. So you just need to take things head on all by yourself. And by doing that, you know, your fears will eventually fade, maybe even disappear. And sadly, this is how some Christians kind of think and operate as well. Because they would say, after all, doesn't the Bible tell us, be strong and very courageous? So this is a command. I'm to be strong and very courageous. So, well, God is in the mix somehow. Boldness for me mostly relies upon me. A little, you know, of God and a lot of me, right? Wrong. When I was a kid growing up, my family attended a particular charismatic church. And I'll tell you what, I'll always be grateful for the years I grew up there, the relationships made, a lot of things that I've learned. It was a beautiful, wonderful time. But there was one thing that kept popping up that really bothered me. It was this saying, they would say, you know, the natural outflow of being a good Christian was being a bold Christian. And then they would define what they meant by being bold. They would quote like John 14, 12. And they would say, Phil, every true follower of Jesus will do even greater things than Jesus did. And so Jesus raised a couple people from the dead. You need to raise even more people from the dead. I mean, if you're living as a Christ follower, you need to be doing greater things. And because you're supposed to be doing greater things, they would then quote Joshua 1.7. So be bold and be strong. Just go out and do this. Well, please don't mishear me. I do think we're supposed to be bold and strong. But bold and strong in the right ways. I like how Paul, he said, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. So we are to be bold and strong, but bold and strong in the right ways. And I would say the very ways that are clearly, if you'll take a look at scripture here, demonstrated by looking at Joshua 1.7 in context. Context is king. 
I mean, when we look at a scripture, we need to take a look at it in context. Otherwise, we're liable to take something from it that it never said. And so in order to do that, we start with a question. What was happening back then that led up to what was written in Joshua 1, 7? Well, I'll tell you. Moses, the great proven leader, had died. I mean, the one that people had humanly relied upon was gone. This was huge. Think about it. Moses had led them out of their bondage in Egypt. That was a bold act of courage. And then Moses had brought them to the base of Mount Sinai. And it was Moses who had brought them the Ten Commandments directly given to him by God, and he brought that to them. Significant. Moses led them through battle after battle, working tirelessly to keep them pure before the Lord. And then Moses led them to the brink of the promised land, this land flowing with milk and honey. The truth is, they often complained about his leadership. But the truth also was, they often feared the day when he could lead them no more. And now that day had finally come. Moses had died. And then they learned that the person who was going to replace him, their next leader, was a man named Joshua. Moses was a proven leader, you see. Joshua was an unproven leader. I mean, sure, Joshua, along with them, had witnessed Moses do all these great things, and Joshua had led in some ways, but he had never led in those kind of significant ways that Moses had. And when you stop to think about it, who really wants to take the place of a great leader? Right, who wants to do that? I mean, in the business world, looking back, who really wants to be Henry Ford II? Who wants to be that person? Who wants to follow Jack Welch? Or who wants to follow Steve Jobs? Or to put it in modern context, who wants to lead Tesla, you know, after Elon Musk decides to go live on another planet somewhere? Who wants to be that person? You see, well, the opportunity to follow a great leader can be a great responsibility. It can come with a whole lot of weight, worry, and insecurity. So when you think about it, though, Joshua was in a far more severe situation than what I just described. Because in truth, while some of these leaders, they have big names through time, uh, it's possible that throughout the world not everyone has actually heard of them. But everyone has heard of Moses all throughout the world over centuries of time. Joshua was going to follow him. And Joshua had been called upon then to take the Israelites into new territory. And that was kind of a problem, humanly speaking, because most leaders want to get a grasp on their current reality before making new decisions and marking out new territory. And yet God had other plans for him. Take a look. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. If you take a look at that on the map, that's a lot of territory. And I don't know about you, but if I'm Joshua, I might have responded by saying, Lord, thanks for all the faith you're putting in me right now. I appreciate that. But before I engage in all of that, I mean, can I get to know the people better? I mean, can I conduct a survey that will help me to know how they're feeling and what kind of advancements they're willing to support, right? I mean, I'm brand new in this job, and after all, everybody knows I am not Moses. What does this have to do with you? Pretty much everything. Think about this, friends. 
due to the coronavirus, the protests and riots, the war in Ukraine, the inflation in our economy, our division over politics, and the confusion regarding gender. Many things you once knew to work have either changed dramatically or no longer work at all. And in the face of all this uncertainty, here's the truth. God has called you to lead into new territory at home, at work, and in your community. God has marked out new territory he has called you to step into. But maybe you're a bit like Joshua. And you're looking at yourself, you're looking at your call, and you're saying, you know what? Compared to other leaders that I know, I'm not all that great. And yet at the face of all these realities, here's the good news. I believe these words that God spoke to Joshua, he now speaks to you. Listen to them. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Friends, don't forget this, that the Lord is with you despite what this culture keeps trying to sell you. One person wrote it this way, God commands our confident trust in him in a world that encourages us to believe in ourselves and to achieve all we deserve. It's paramount to understand who and whose we are. Society set to bar to earn and accumulate. Accomplishments and accessories are lauded above humility and God-ordained purpose. But here's the thing. Because our culture is constantly seeking to redefine and reconstruct our sense of purpose, we can get really confused in the midst of all the intended chaos. And I say intended because that's exactly what it is. It's intended chaos. But perhaps that's why God... When he spoke to Joshua, he told him to be bold more than just once. I don't know if you've seen this before. He first told him to do so in Joshua 1.6. He says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. You see, when you take a closer look at the overall passage, we can see what God was clearly conveying here. Basically, God was saying to Joshua, this will be the result of your relationship with me. The result of your relationship with me, which will help you to demonstrate then the strength and courage needed to lead others. You see, Joshua, when Moses took them out of Egypt, you're going to be the one to take them in to the promised land. And God was teaching Joshua and us here a critical lesson. May we never forget it. Knowing what God holds for us tomorrow helps us embrace boldness needed for today. Knowing what God holds for us tomorrow helps us embrace the boldness needed for today. One person put it this way, a ship in a harbor is safe, but that is not what ships were built for. God designed you to live and to move and to experience full life in him. So may we never forget where our promised land is. Our promised land is in heaven. So here's my question. Do you have heaven in view? Do you? Or are you too worried about your here and now to see how God wants to use it to take you forward? If we're honest today, and what we're experiencing today can often cloud our vision. And I think that's why God told Joshua the same thing again, but then in a different way. In verse 6, God gave Joshua a clear vision of this future reality. And then in the few verses that follow, God told Joshua how this future would be possible. And friends, I want you to listen very carefully here, because the lessons we're going to talk about not only apply to Joshua, they apply to all of us here in this place and watching online. 
Take a look here. God told Joshua, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. So Joshua was told to carefully obey everything, everything written in the law. Now the law, well, that was the moral standards God wanted his children to live by. You can see this from, generation to, uh, from Genesis to Deuteronomy. You see, these laws were written because the surrounding nations had other laws they were following that were not only unacceptable to God, they would be unacceptable to many people even in our culture today. So God didn't want what was considered normal by others to be accepted by them. And so he said, I want you just living by some of these commands. I want you to live by all of these commands. Why? Because something we often forget. Partial obedience, friends, is no obedience at all. Partial obedience is no obedience at all. Well, partial obedience would be modeled by King Saul. You can read about that in other sections of the Bible. He's a later leader than of God's people. Partial obedience would not be modeled by Joshua. Joshua would not only know God's law, Joshua would daily live by God's law. We have much more than that now, the entire Bible, of course. That's what we are to live by. We're to, to study it and to learn it and to know it and to obey it. But how do we live by it? Well, David, he answered the question this way. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So God was basically telling Joshua, as he's telling us here today, that faith-filled obedience in the heart is where boldness starts. Faith-filled obedience in the heart is where boldness starts. And friends, you can't be bold without faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God, Scripture says. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So how do we earnestly seek him? What do we do? Well, we seek him through our steps of obedience. Obedience. You probably heard the phrases before. You know, they're such a great person. They're led by their heart or they're led by their feelings or they're led by their emotions. Friends, as believers, we don't allow our hearts to turn us every which way, and we don't allow our feelings and emotions to sway us. One pastor put it this way. He says, don't follow your heart. Counsel your heart with the truth of God's word. And remember, your word, God's word, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So God's word tells us then that the lamp not only provides us enough light to see our next step, it also shows us how to take that next step. And when we take that next step, following his word in obedience, then he lights the path before us. So the proper first step always starts with faith-filled obedience. Boldness starts in the heart. Boldness starts in the heart. So how you doing with that? Are you obeying fully? Are you obeying partially? How can we be bold and courageous? One of the very next verse, God tells him, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Always on your lips. You see, when we keep his word on our lips, we remind ourselves of what is true. And friends, that's so incredibly important in this culture where the quote-unquote truth changes every other day. When we know his word, we remind ourselves of what is true. That's why we speak it. 
And then we forsake any tendency to believe and embrace our own self-talk because we're listening to what he has to say. And then we remind others of what, you know, whom we serve because people, they're always watching, they're always listening. And this idea of talking this out, this goes all the way back in scripture. In fact, that's why if you visit the home of a religious Jewish family, even today, and you go up to the, you know, the front of their home, you're gonna see a little box on the door frame of their home. It's called a mezuzah. And inside that little box is a prayer spoken throughout the ages known as Shema Yisrael. And it's a prayer provided in slightly different ways in both Deuteronomy and Numbers. I want us to speak the beginning portion of this prayer together. And as we do, I want you not just to speak it. I want you to say it knowing that Jewish people today are praying this prayer. Jewish people for thousands of years have been praying these same words. So speak it almost like you're going out to battle and these are your final words before you go. Are you ready? Let's say it together. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road when you are going to bed, and when you are getting up. Notice the focus here? We're to talk about God's word with others wherever we go. And God was saying, oh, this, this holds true for you, Joshua. And he's saying the same to you. This holds true for you here in this place and those who are watching online. So may we never forget, faithful obedience from the heart is where boldness starts. And now God's teaching Joshua and us a second lesson. Confession from our mouths allows boldness to ring out. Confession from our mouths allows boldness to ring out. You see, when his word is on our lips, it changes our lives. It changes the lives of others. And it changes our world. When I was in the sixth grade, my teacher assigned me a certain historical figure that I was supposed to study and then emulate by presenting as a first-person narrative. Now, the person that I was assigned I found interesting because like three years earlier, I was attending the Christian school and my father was disabled, so my parents couldn't afford to send me there any longer. So now I found myself in the public school and it was in the public school where the teacher assigned me St. Francis of Assisi. I found that interesting. And you've undoubtedly heard a quote attributed to him. Many people have. It's been heard around the world. Preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. How many people have heard that before? Yeah, I think almost we all have. And this lesson then reminds Christians that the greatest witness is actually through our actions, not through our words. In fact, this has even led some Christians over time to believe that they're only supposed to live by their actions only, which has led basically to a social gospel. But here's the thing. St. Francis never said those words. You can look it up. He never said those words. And the reason why he never did, because they, they stand in conflict with God's written word. Preach the word, the Bible says. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. 
For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. I think that time has come. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Friends, we live in a culture with many itching ears. So may we never forget that God's word, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is meant to be spoken. And we speak God's word for the benefit of others, and we speak God's word for our benefit as well. So boldness starts here in our heart with our obedience, and then it's spoken here from our lips. Heart, lips, and then there's a third thing. That God says, this is what you need to do if you're going to embrace the kind of boldness that that I, I desire for you. So how can we be strong and courageous? Well, God told Joshua, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Meditation takes root in our minds. It takes root in our minds. Friends, what I'm about to say is really important. Really important. So please listen. Biblical meditation is very different from the other forms of meditation often practiced today. It's very different. This new age meditation is all all about emptying yourself and emptying your mind. Biblical meditation is about filling your mind up with the right things, God's word. In fact, the, the Bible says to prepare your mind for action, not to put it in some kind of vacation mode where you're not thinking about anything and just kind of emptying everything out. Prepare your mind for action. And what is the result of doing so? One person said it this way, prayer in private results in boldness in public. You see, God calls us to meditate on his word for at least four different reasons. I want to credit credit Kristen Weatherall with, with some of this. Why we meditate? First, we meditate to focus. We meditate to focus. The psalmist wrote it this way, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. If you haven't figured it out already, distractions are one of the enemy's primary tools meant to rob you of boldness and effectiveness. So we meditate to focus, to focus. But that's not all, we meditate to understand. Otherwise, our meditation can amount to very little. Psalm 119 says, make me understand the way of your precepts and I will meditate on your wondrous works. Friends, confusion is another one of the enemy's primary weapons used to rob you of boldness and effectiveness. That's why we meditate to understand. And then thirdly, we meditate to remember. See, friends, if we allow ourselves to forget how God has moved in our lives in the past, we're gonna be robbed of the boldness needed for today or for tomorrow. Psalm 143 says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. Are you forgetful? God works in your life and you kind of move on or do you meditate and give thanks for what he's done? Friends, we meditate to focus. We meditate to understand. We meditate to remember. And then, really important here, we meditate to apply to apply. And this means that when we speak boldly, we apply how God's word tells us to speak boldly. Rather than speak loudly or proudly like we have all the answers and everyone else doesn't have a clue, scripture says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. See, Paul tells us to speak with grace-filled words. 
I like how one person put it. She says, a graceful person is someone who is so full of God's love that they stop before they react out of anger to assess the situation and see if the person or situation is one that needs grace more than it needs anger. One friend of mine always said, you know, what does humility demand of me at this moment? Is it anger and defensiveness or is it his love? And that's why Paul tied grace and salt together when it came to the use of our words. In fact, we've talked about this before, that in biblical times, salt healed, salt preserved, salt restored. And so when we apply God's word by speaking with a mixture of grace and salt, others are healed, others are restored, and they're going to see Christ in action in and through our daily lives. It's why God told Joshua this, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Third lesson, meditation in our minds keeps our boldness effectively in line. Meditation in our minds keeps our boldness effectively in line. So what are you gonna meditate on? Well, for one, I encourage you to meditate on the various verses we're using throughout this series. Bring them home. Read them over, maybe even memorize some of them. But we've chosen these because these have been verses that have meant a lot to people in our congregation. And friends, they can mean a lot to you as well. So what's the result then of living with this kind of boldness? A boldness that starts here in our heart through our obedience, then spoken from our lips, and then meditated on in our minds. The Bible says it leads to a result that's transformational. Then... You will be prosperous and successful. Successful in the eyes of God, most certainly. Maybe not always in your own eyes. So how can we be bold and courageous? May we never forget. Heart plus lips plus mind equals boldness. Say that with me. Heart plus lips plus mind equals boldness. One friend of mine called this throughput. Throughput. She wrote, if we want to be vessels of God's presence and power, we can't just pour out. We have to have throughput, to be poured in and through, and then pour out of what is poured into us. Heart plus lips plus mind equals boldness. So be bold, friends. Be very bold. Dear Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for how your word not only speaks to us, but changes us when we listen to it and respond to it and we respond in obedience to what you say. So Lord, I pray for each person who's here in this place, those watching online right now, you know what's going on in their lives. Some are struggling. Some are riddled in fear. There are others who think, hey, things are going well. They're not really thinking that much about really living their life. They're just taking it for granted. Lord, you know where we all are. And Lord, we need you. We need your word. So help us to live humbly so that we might live boldly. Lord, keep speaking to us through the power of your spirit. May we submit, may we respond. And may we speak your word wherever we go that your word would be on our lips, that we meditate on it day and night, that we go out 
and be successful in your eyes wherever we go to the glory of you alone. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. I just prayed about some who are struggling. If you are, I encourage you to come forward after the service. We have prayer partners here. And even if you want to celebrate something, you just want to have a prayer celebration, I encourage you to come forward afterwards. And they'll love to pray with you and just give God thanks for all that he's doing in your life. But please avail yourself of that opportunity and come forward after the service is over. For all of us, will you stand with me right now? And I want to leave you with these words. Friends, if God is for us, who can stand against us? So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of others. For the Lord your God goes with you wherever you go. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So never forget this. And be bold and be strong for the glory of God alone. And all God's people said, amen. See you next weekend. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. You can stay connected throughout the week by following Montgomery Community Church on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about MCC, visit our website at mcc.church.